One day when I was about six years old, it was the day after my birthday, I walked outside into the backyard and tried to think about how far back my previous birthday had been. And then I tried as hard as I could to imagine how long it would be before my next birthday. It seemed so far away, it almost gave me a headache trying to think about it. So I tried thinking about something easier, how far Christmas would be away. It was only three months. And it still seemed like too long a time for my little boy brain to wrap around. Three months was forever and a year. Oh, my goodness. I remember another time when I was about 10, when I asked my mother if she thought that I would be alive in the year 2000. 2000. I mean, that's like, wow. Now it's 18 years ago. But at the time, it seemed impossible. And so she assured me that I would only be 49 and I would probably still be alive. And I thought, 49, that is really old. But now, as I look back on the years of my life, it seems like they just sped by. And if an adult's conception of time can be so different from that of a child, how much different must God's perspective of time be than ours? The scriptures themselves say in another place that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But really to the one for whom the universe is less than a snap of the fingers, a day could be a million years or a billion years. So when we hear the words of Jesus in today's gospel, Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. We could very easily think that Jesus meant that the apostles would still be alive when the end of the world came. And I'm sure many of the early followers of Christ felt the same way, especially as they experienced the brutal persecution of the Roman Empire. But Jesus was obviously warning them, And he's warning us with great urgency to be ready. But obviously, the world hasn't passed away yet. And even though Jesus tells us today, but of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels, nor the Son, but only the Father. Even then, we can be left with the feeling that the end of the world is so about something that's so remotely far in the future that it doesn't pertain to us, that we don't have to worry about it, that we can shut it out of our minds and just forget it. Is it really a thousand or a million or a billion years away in the future? If we look at the end times in that way, though, we're missing an important aspect of Christian teaching. We fall into the danger of looking at this world, at my time and place, as being all there is. And so every Sunday we pray the words of the creed. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But we do this not just to rattle off an official church teaching, but also to remind us and to awaken us and to push us to keep the eternal perspective, to remind us to be ready for his coming, whether at the end of time or at the end of my time. Now, many of us may have think we've already beaten the odds. I did get past 49 years old. And I'm seven years older than my dad was when he passed away. 
But we all face the same brevity and the same fragility of life. We're all called to not just hear, but to take to heart the words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We all need to continually refocus our minds and hearts on the sobering thought that this world is not our lasting home. And this refocusing, I think that far from scaring us or disturbing us, actually will bring us both hope and joy. For Jesus has taken his seat forever at the right hand of God, where he prays for us without end. And there, at the right hand of God, there he waits for each one of us. And this refocusing enables us at the time when there's great distress and tribulation to have that great hope that arises in our souls when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That is what the church reminds us of every year at this time. As the church year draws to the close, next week is the Feast of Christ the King, and then Advent comes as we prepare for Christmas. For we already know this, that Jesus Christ has conquered both sin and death. We all know this, and we all accept it without hesitation and with the assurance of divine faith. The tricky part is living like we know it and putting into effect daily the power and the glory of this reality. What better time of the year could there be than this time to make a commitment to reorient our lives so that our minds and hearts are focused on Christ, so that we may be always motivated to keep the eternal perspective. Now, there are a few who are called to give up absolutely everything and to live a vowed life of poverty, as monks and nuns do. But most of us are called to this world. And when we are called to this world, whether as single persons or as married ones, the call from God often comes in very ordin- with very ordinary responsibilities. We must work to feed and clothe our children, to have a roof over their heads to educate them, to provide medical care for all members of the family, and to build a civilization of life and of love. This requires much effort and an engagement with the world and all of its difficulties. We even have civil responsibilities, the responsibility to pay taxes and to vote, to vote for candidates who respect human dignity and every human life. The danger falls not in fulfilling these responsibilities, but in allowing them to take over our minds and our hearts, even our souls, so that there's just no room left for God or just a few leftovers. Even in the care of your children, in your determination that each child gets to play several sports, has the right clothes to wear, can take dance and music lessons, and gets on the honor roll, we can easily forget that the most important challenge we have as parents is to see that our children get to heaven. Just a few weeks ago, I spoke of the time, I mentioned it from the pulpit, when as a small child, my mother told me to always remember the words of Jesus, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Parents, 
This is your first responsibility to your children. And let the words of the prophet Daniel today and the words of Jesus shake you, shake you to the core, because nothing is more important than your children's eternal salvation. Nothing. But for us all, parents or not, what a good rule of thumb this can be for us to follow. In every endeavor, ask yourself, does this bring me closer to Christ or does it bring me further away? Does this help me keep my eyes fixed on Jesus or on another goal that in the end leads to nowhere? You know, the Christmas commercials have already started. At our house, they started when the bell was ringing from the trick-or-treaters. Ding-dong, and there's another Christmas commercial on. And apparently, what we all are supposed to do for Christmas is buy each one of our loved ones a brand new Lexus with a massive red bow placed on top. Now is the time to reorient our priorities. Pray for the Lord to help you to refocus. Read some good spiritual books, the Bible, the Catechism, and other books. There's wonderful books that we have available if you need something to read. Read them and get to confession before Christmas. Keep Christ in your family Christmas. Be courageous in your faith. Decide that you and your family will be ready for Christ if he comes this very evening. For as Jesus tells us today, the day will come when all will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. And I, and I'm sure you, want to be in that number when the saints come marching in.